Hi, this is Ben from Overboard. Coming up on the show this week, all your favourites, including Isolation Songs, Isolation Irritations, Did You See, and The Further Adventures of Cornflake. Settle back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to Overboard Podcast, the inside scoop into the world of travel and tourism. And we like to keep it simple, so no overproduction, no overthinking, no advertisements, just hearty discussion. Joining me this week, I have my very good friend, Benjamin Clift. Good evening, David. Good evening. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Have you had a nice week? It's been nice. The weather's starting to get a little bit better here, so uh, that's good. What about there? Yeah, it's not too bad. We're we're expected to have some glorious days in the forthcoming days. Don't the weeks go quickly, Dave? I mean, they really go quick, don't they? Well, they they do. They do. <laughs> What's wrong with you? What are you laughing at? <laughs> Do the weeks go quickly? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they do, yeah. They do, though, don't they? No, no, you know, because the thing is, at the end of the day, sometimes, Dave, weeks can drag, but the weeks in lockdown seem to go quickly. I, I, I felt the opposite, actually. Really? The, at the beginning, at the beginning, it, they, they really dragged. And then when I started doing a podcast, they seemed to go very quickly, yeah. Mm, yeah, well, you look forward to talking to me, don't you, on a regular that, basis, so. That, that's it, yeah. Shall we start? Uh, yeah, we can do. Uh, first of all, I would like to know where was Cornflake last week? The Further Adventures of Cornflake. Ah, yes, the question that's been burning bright on the lips and the minds of the nations around the world. Where was our little furry friend last week? Now, Dave, I believe that you guessed Belgrade. Is that correct? Um, did I? I think so. Yes, I did in the end. Yeah. I'm afraid to say that you're wrong, David. So uh, we did have some correct guesses. Congratulations to Doug, uh, to Peter, to Michael and Max, who were all correct. We had some incorrect guesses um, before I tell you where it actually Cornflake was. Hafsa said Glasgow. That's totally wrong. Jojo on the Wirral said Rio de Janeiro or even Rio de Janeiro. Um, and uh, she was completely wrong, David, of course. Uh, Claire said Munich. That's unfortunately incorrect. And Yannick in Poland said Beirut. All wrong. Now you've looked it up, Dave. Why don't you reveal where Cornflake actually was then? Well, Cornflake last week was in Istanbul, former, formerly Constantinople. That's absolutely correct. Yes, Cornflake was in Istanbul. So well done if you got that correct. Uh, commiserations if you got it wrong. But are you ready for this week's first clue, Dave? Id. Yes, let's do it. Okay. Flight time from London to tonight's mystery destination is roughly one hour and 35 minutes. From Amsterdam, one hour and 45 minutes. And from Frankfurt, one hour and 55 minutes. Once landed, you would be greeted with a population of roughly 900. Where in the world is Cornflake? 900. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think I know, because I think I've been looking this up this week. All right, OK. Well, keep it to yourself, and we'll come back later on in the show with clue number two. Benjamin, let me give you the results of last week's poll. Last week, we asked, would a country's record of dealing with the pandemic come into consideration when booking a future holiday destination? And here are the results. Nobody said it would be the first thing that they would think about. 6% said... They would only consider a country with a good record. 11% said it would be in the back of their mind. 22% said it would feature in my consideration. And a whopping 61% said 
I've survived the pandemic, get me out of here. Right. Which means that I think people are ready to, to go. It doesn't matter what sort of record they've had. It, it's sort of saying there, isn't it? Absolutely. Let's just get going. Let's get back. Let's get travelling. Let's get spending some money. Let's get on those beaches. Let's get in those bars. Let's get in those nightclubs. Let's get to those historic destinations. Let's go walking, cycling, shopping. Let's do it all, Dave. But obviously with a face mask on. Absolutely. And wearing full PPE and not getting within two metres of anybody. Talking, talking of face marks, did you see, um, this was in Authentic She Can Travel website, uh, that there is a shortage of medical masks, and it's a fact that the non-medical ones do not protect yourself 100% from the virus. I thought that nothing protects you 100% from the virus anyway, especially when used incorrectly. Now, what face masks do you and Ali and, uh, well, the kids don't need them, do they, I suppose, but what, what face masks do you and Ali wear? Well, we're not great at wearing them, if I'm honest with you. We have ordered some, though, because of the holidays that we're going on in the summer, which you'd love to reference on a weekly basis. Um, just very cheap ones, mate. You know, they're actually, they, they say they're washable. Do, do, do you wash them, though, after every use? That's what you're meant to do, yeah, absolutely. And you're not doing that? Well, we haven't worn them yet. We haven't had any need to wear them. I'm not going to wear them. I'm not wearing them to the supermarket. Oh, you're supposed to. No, you're not. You don't have to. Not by law here in the UK. The only place you need to oh, wear them you, by law. You do here. Well, you do here. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about the UK. If you just let me finish, uh, the only place you actually <laughs> need to wear them is in the supermarket. I uh, know that's a complete lie. <laughs> it's actually on public transport. That's the only place you need to actually wear them. And the difference between the the, the supermarket and public transport is. You can't catch the 537 from Milton Keynes to Lime Street in a supermarket uh, and you can't buy fresh tuna on a train. So they're the differences. I would have thought that was pretty obvious to any human being. Um, I think it's probably to do with the close proximity, buddy. The close proximity is what it's about. Okay. Well, you do have to wear them in, in the supermarkets over here. There's a big difference between using a hygienic disposable mask or a fabric fashionable or do-it-yourself face masks. Safety experts have indicated that some fabrics contain materials that can cause cancer just to make everything a little bit better. (laughs) Consequently, using these fashionable face masks or making your own can be harmful, especially when breathing in the wrong material for several hours. So Mm. be very careful which face mask you use, especially if you're wearing it for a long time. Time Now, we're going to put this on our website, which is over-boards, spelled B-O-R-E-D dot com, and the World Health Organization have actually issued a video of how to wear a mask, and we will put that on there. Have you seen this? I haven't seen it, but I have seen a number of videos where people from around the world have been trying to put masks on and they haven't succeeded, and it's quite funny. Well, this video is quite categoric, how to wash your hands, how to put the mask on. And and to be honest, although we may mock it, actually, there, there's a couple of things that I, I, I didn't consider when washing my hands when I watched it. So I suppose it is useful what? and helpful. Like um, using soap and hot water? <laughs> well, no, no, but it was just the actual technique of sort of pulling pulling your other hand in a sort of, it actually feels rude doing this, but sort of, you know, if you're putting your finger in a in a hole in your other hand, you're supposed I think to do you're, that. Listen, young man, this is a perfectly respectable podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're supposed to do that with all your fingers, <laughs> stick it in the hole and, and, and waggle it around. <laughs> that's what you're supposed to Watch the video, honestly, that's what you're supposed to do. No wonder but, Mercedes is always smiling. The Overboard Podcast, something I look forward to every week. Hosted by David and Ben, amazing people. Guys I have a tremendous respect for, doing a great job. Fantastic guys. Listen, David, we paid £12.95 for that, and we've only used it twice.
So we, 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 we have to really use it a lot more. So here it is again. The Overboard Podcast, something I look forward to every week. Hosted by David and Ben, amazing people, guys I have a tremendous respect for, doing a great job, fantastic guys. Oh, Christ, we'll never have any listeners when we come back off the break. Uh, right. <laughs> um, did you see, Benjamin, um, that in the Condé Nast Traveller magazine, they said that if you are planning a trip to the Southeast Asian country of Cambodia... Are you, are you going to Cambodia on one of your many holidays? Uh, no, that's not planned at this moment in time. I never say never, David. Obviously, if somebody offers me the opportunity, I might, you know, be quite nice, wouldn't it? Well, if you, if you do go, you mm. might have to budget a little bit extra because anyone flying into any of Cambodia's airports will now have to present proof of health insurance with a cover of at least $50,000 and also put down a deposit of $3,000 with a designated bank at the port of entry so that you can pay for the funeral if you die. <laughs> That's cheery, isn't it? That I know, is... but it's incredible mm. that you have to put a deposit down for your funeral if something happens to you in that country. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's not something you really want to think about if you're going for a nice holiday, is it? But is this, a, is this what's going to happen in more places now around the world? Who knows? Well, who knows? Who, who knows what the future holds for travel and tourism? What if you're not planning to spend that much money on your funeral? Like for example, example, you know, like because there's a lot of adverts in the UK at this moment in time about you know cover yourself when you die. The average, the average cost of a funeral is X, Y, and Z. Mm. What if you go? Well, actually, no. I was just going to be stuffed and put in the corner of my my bedroom. Did you see that? Uh, it's funny because we're already uh, a lot of us are talking about 2020 as if it's already in the past. According to a recent poll, 35% of people want to see the back of this year already. Uh, millions of people across the world have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. And many of these people have had holidays of a lifetime cancelled. Are, are you in the past? Are you considering 2020 over already? Yeah, I am, to be honest with you. I think we talked about this in, in one of the previous shows to say maybe they'll just wipe it from the record books, Dave. But you know what? I was talking to Ali about this the other day and saying this is going to be the slowest yet quickest year I think, that I've ever had in my life because we're hurtling already towards summer, aren't we? July and August, and it's going to be September. And you know what comes after September, mate? October. And, you know, I know my calendar, so then it will be November. But the year will be over, Dave, before we even, we've, we've even begun it because we haven't done anything, have we? Well, everything's been suspended, hasn't it? So, yeah, but it's, I think it's been a bit of a drag this year. It feels like you say that it's hurtled by, but I, I feel like I've already had a whole year in these six months. Yeah, I, I think in years to come, we'll look back and we'll just go, do you remember 2020? And people will go, yeah, I do. But what I did was nothing because you, nobody's achieving anything, are they? Has anybody well, achieved say, anything? Well, well you've, got to, you've got to remember that some people are going to have children this year. So obviously that, that they will remember it for that. And some people will get married this year and, some, and a lot of people are going to lose people this year. So they'll remember it for that. But mm. Is there anything, so take away sort of life-changing events like that, is there anything that could happen this year that would suddenly come into some sort of equality with the, with the virus? Nothing, I don't think. Well, I think maybe there is one thing. If Liverpool, if Liverpool were to blow their lead at the top of the Premiership now with eight games to go and end up losing the title, I think I would celebrate this year as probably one of the finest years of my life. 
Benjamin, did you see? You might not have seen this because it's a it's a new blog, a piece that I discovered by Nicole Hope, Confessions of a Travel Enthusiast. Uh, dot com. Um, now, in the piece, she's very strongly supporting the travel agent. Now, uh, I'm just wondering if you knew your anacronyms. Do you know what ABTA stands for? Were they a very poor tribute to ABBA? They were. They were. They, they were a dyslexic ABBA <laughs> tribute band. <laughs> No, APTA is the Association of British Travel Agents. And APTA protection means that if your travel company goes out of business, you'll be entitled to a refund, which includes hotel costs. And if you're abroad, your transport home will be covered. Now, what do you think Atoll? You've heard of Atoll on the advertisements. What does Atoll stand for? Well, I actually thought they were one of the same. But Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's a slight difference, but Atoll is an air travel organiser's licence, and this protects right. you from losing your money or being stranded abroad. Travel firms selling air holiday packages must have an Atoll and must issue a certificate to you to prove that protection is in place. This provides money to protect customers. So it's very important if you're booking a holiday to have the APTA and the Atoll protection because third-party sellers will not offer this, meaning you are going to fork out hundreds, maybe even thousands of pounds to an online source with absolutely no protection whatsoever. Um, Have you ever booked a holiday without APTA or Atoll protection online? I I would say no because I'm, I'm a bit of a... Not a scaredy cat, that's not the word, but I do like to book through established organisations, and I always see the, the ABTA and the Atoll protection on there, mate. So I, I would have said no, probably not. Now, I don't think I've ever... I've never booked a holiday for my family without the protection of those two mm. um, institutions. Uh, I, if I'm travelling alone or I'm just taking a flight, I'm very happy to take a flight online without all of that gubbins. Um, but, uh, yeah, travel agents even have a special agency telephone numbers to contact airlines that are not open to the public, which means they can contact them a lot faster than you would be able to, um, meaning you don't waste your precious time, money, waiting on hold. Uh, it is very advisable to leave it to the experts and you will get an answer a lot faster. So, really, we should support our travel agents. And uh, I know you are this year because you're having another few holidays, aren't you? And where are you going? I'm going to Cambodia to plan a funeral for myself. <laughs> well, where are you going? Are you going to the Canaries? Lanzarote and Mallorca. Lanzarote and Mallorca. Yes, oh. and I'd like to point out that I always invite you and your lovely family on holiday, but uh, you, you never seem to want to come with us. Well, I, I can't afford it, two holidays a year. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't, did you see, Benjamin, that a super-rich sheikh has filled the water tanks of an 18th-century mansion he hardly ever visits with Evian mineral water. Court documents show Sheikh Khalifa bin Zayed al-Nayan, the Emir of Abu Dhabi, and one of the richest heads of state in the world, with hundreds of billions, made the lavish move at a mansion in Berkshire. Apparently he's related to one of the, uh, one of the sheikhs that's involved with Manchester City Football Club. Right. He bought this place. It's called Ascot Place. It's a grade two listed mansion. It wins a great park uh, in Berkshire for 18 million. It's now valued at more than 60 million after extensive renovations, including having all the water tanks filled with the um, Evian mineral water. Now, the reason I'm banging on about this is because I was just wondering, do, do you drink bottled water at home or do you use tap water? Well, I like sparkling water. So I out of the tap. No, not not. You can get it out of the tap now. Believe it or not, you can have a filter added um, with gas. Can yeah, you? you can. Yeah, 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 yeah. You oh. see now they're very expensive. Oh, what, what, so like like 
like soda stream like a soda stream yeah absolutely yeah. a permanent soda stream uh, on your tap but they're they're ever so expensive dave um so i do drink bottled water I, i'm afraid to say yeah sparkling bottled water okay and what about the rest of your family do they have normal tap water they just drink it from the tap outside the house i don't let them go near the one in the kitchen you know the one for the hose pipe. <laughs> the one for the donkey. There fi- yeah. yeah, they're just filling bottles out there and watering cans, and you know, you've got to keep them in in check, Dave. Basically, otherwise they get out of hand. Would you trust tap water in in, in the UK? A hundred percent. Yeah, we do drink tap water. Of course, we do. My wife yeah. drinks a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't and, think I tr- I don't trust tap water anywhere, and I think it's a it's a mental block after working on ships. I think and uh, and working in places like Cairo and stuff. I think. Uh, you just get so used to not using the tap water to drink that, that I've never really got back into it. So, uh, But you wash in tap water, don't you? Well, no, actually, I, I wash in the shower. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't fit in a sink anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, know what I, you know what I mean, though? You, you don't, you don't, you're not adverse to you know, getting well, under the shower. Of course I wash in tap water. I mean, <laughs> oh, no, I, ha- I have litres of milk poured over my body like Cleopatra. Um, well, I've, all, I, I've often thought you look like a shake. Maybe this, you're talking about yourself here. Filling up well, your reservoirs and exactly, but um, we have one of those filters. You know, you can buy them. A Bretta is it better or Bretta? Britta? Oh, a Bretta water filter. A Britta. Yeah, Britta. That's a Britta. it. But it Britta was very... a Swedish model that we met in nineteen ninety four. That's her. Yeah, that was her. Uh, she she liked tap water as well. Um, and <laughs> anyway, the, the filter is annoying because every time you go to it, it's empty because nobody ever fills it up. So that's very annoying. But yeah, anyway, um, I think that. Um, I would be interested to know how many people trust tap water anymore. Hmm. I know it depends on where you live, but uh, but I, there I is think... a there is a huge difference between the tap water that you get in the north of the country and that in the south as well. Yeah, because there was a long. I remember when I lived in the UK, there was a, a big thing about hard water. Cause That's right. Especially if you're making a cup of tea, it made it taste really peculiar. Yeah. And you get scum around the top of the cup. Did you see, Benji? I, I, every time I say it, I feel like I'm turning into Richard Wilson. I think you should. Can you not do it as Bob Monkhouse this time? Did you see? Bob says, hmm. did, did, did you see, Benjamin, there has been a petition to delay Disney World's reopening? Right. No. Why? <laughs> right to know why? Uh, the petition has had more than 3,800 signatures as of yesterday evening, uh, says the Florida theme parks. Uh, they should not be planning to operate until the cases have gone down again. Retreating back to an earlier phase in reopening is the best option at not exposing the virus to thousands and thousands of theme park employees and their families. And do you know who have been collecting the signatures and signing uh, the petitions? Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. Well, very close, because it's actually the staff. The oh, staff. Right of Disney World don't want to reopen. They say that it's too dangerous. They're, everyone else is trying to reopen and get back to normal, and they would like to delay it. A spokesman for the Walt Disney Company did not immediately return Fox Business's request for a comment. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting that that some people are, are, are not ready to go back to work in these public well, areas. you might not have seen it, actually, Dave, but today the uh, cases in Florida have surpassed 10,000 in the last week or something. Ah, so okay. they don't have the situation in that particular part of the state under control at the moment. Did 
you see, Benjamin, that there is a new design of plane being um, touted around by Zephyr Aerospace, initially come up with the plans to give passengers more space uh, where you would be able to lie completely flat on a plane. Previously, it's been reserved for those flying business class, but a new design by this startup company has created this double-decker-style cabin featuring two tiers of seats, which would mean every passenger could have a lie-flat seat. It looks very interesting, because when someone told me about it, I thought, that sounds ridiculous. But actually looking at the article, and we will put it on our website, overboard.com, the design means standard plane cabins could accommodate two levels of passengers using the same amount of space, meaning holidaymakers wouldn't have to sit shoulder to shoulder with other passengers. And I do recommend that you have a look at this design because um, I don't think you can do it justice by explaining it. You have to see the design. It looks very interesting. It actually looks quite um, space age, doesn't it? It looks very space age, Dave. Yeah, it's like uh, you, you're right. You need to go and see the article because we can't really explain it. But uh, how do you feel about that, Dave? I mean, you know, being able to lie down and have a have a sleep on any flight you took. Um, it doesn't really bother me that that much because I I can pretty much sleep on any plane anyway. Can you? Can you yeah, sleep? Can you? Sit, no, 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 no. Not. I mean, I hate. Oh. You know, we talked about it before. I I hate flying, so I couldn't close my eyes. I think I'd find it a lot easier if I was lying down. Um, I yeah, I I'd like to see that. But you're you're able to you're able to sleep sitting up, are you? Yeah, just give me a give me like a whiskey and coke, and uh, put the strokes on. In the head, not not a stroke, but the strokes, the band, <laughs> the American rock band. Put the strokes on on the headphones, and that's it. I'm off. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I often just get woken up by the little bump as you land. It's wonderful. Well, that's I would absolutely. I I envy you. I envy you massively for that. What is it about the strokes? Um, I don't know. I think uh, oh, it's my favourite band, the Strokes. I don't know whether you knew that. I didn't. Um, yeah, the Strokes and the Beatles are my favourite bands. Um, and uh, there's something about the Strokes, that sound, it's so specific, it's so unique, um, and it sort of sends me into a, like a, a phase of comfort. It's quite quite ridiculous, really, because it's quite heavy electric rock, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's not it's not easy listening, is it? I mean, it's yeah. not when I say that, I mean, it's not... It's not you know, it's not tranquil. It's not. It's not. It's not, it's not the Eagles, is it? It's not the Lighthouse family. No, it's not the Lighthouse family. No. Okay. Well, um, if you are um, persons or people that uh, struggle to sleep on planes, have a look at this uh, article on our website over hyphen board b o r e d dot com. The Bird Adventures of Cornflake. All right. So here we go then, David, with the second of tonight's clues in the further adventures of Cornflake. Tonight's mystery destination was founded in 990 AD by just four people, two men and two women. Where in the world is Cornflake? This is a hard one this week. I don't know. I'll have to think a bit more. I'll wait for the next clue. All right, good. Well, we'll come back later with the third of tonight's clues. Benjamin, anything uh, irritated you this week? Yes, Homeschooling has irritated me this week, David. It's getting harder and harder and harder. Um, and I'm a little bit lost with it, if I'm honest with you. What are you studying for? <laughs> Trigonometry is all right. Pain in my bum. Um, no, you know what it is? You know, when lockdown began, you know, I, we knew it was going to last a long time. I didn't think that the schools would be off as long as they are. And I know some schools are returning and stuff, but it, it turns out that Lily's isn't. And the schoolwork that they're sending through is getting more and more and more. And I think the pressure to 
help Lily to do that, uh, combined with life and looking after Henry and running a, the family, not running the family, but looking after the household and stuff, it's just becoming too much and I'm getting frustrated about it. It's annoying me. I could see that, and I'm, I, I can see it on uh, social media that a lot of people are really getting to the end of this now. Just can't wait to to get the children back to school or have some sort of break from this monotony. And, and it seems very hard. It's so pressurised, isn't it? It is. It is, and it it needs. Lily needs to get back to school for so many different reasons. One is because she misses it so much, uh, and the second one is because it's the routine. You know, you get up in the morning, school Monday to Friday. You know, you put your uniform on, X, Y, and Z. And the third is because I'm really worried about her learning now, Dave. You know, and it's dropped off. When we first started, she was happy to do the schoolwork. Now I can hardly get her to do it because mm. she's. I'm not a teacher. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a teacher, and for the, the best will in the world, nor is Alison, and we're trying our hardest. And it's causing, if I'm honest with you, a lot of stress in our household. And I, my personal feeling is, I, I know it can never happen, and I don't know how it would happen, but I would really love it if Lily was to repeat the year that she's in now, because I think she's missing so much, and I'm not quite sure how they're going to catch up, Dave, if I'm honest. Well, you don't want her to repeat the year and be a year behind all her friends, though. No, I'm saying the whole year should repeat. I'm saying she should put a block on this. Uh, we should go back to the start and every year repeats. I think it's, I mean, yeah, it's a solution, isn't it? But I think it's just going to be one of those things that, that they're just going to have to, you know, it was like the whole world was on hold. So I think they're just going to have to maybe, I don't know how they're going to do it. Push push the um, the modules back a little bit. Maybe, maybe, maybe in fu- future years, take a little bit of extra weeks off the summer holiday to make up. Maybe they can Could do, it that do that. Way. That's, but then you have to sort of think to yourself, well, is that really fair on the teachers? Then a lot of teachers are still working at this moment in time. Yeah. Is it fair, on, either... the, fair on the children either? Well, I mean, I think the, the school holidays are too long anyway. If I'm honest with you. Um, I don't think from a children's perspective it's a problem. I think it's more from the teachers who need a break. And, uh, yeah, I don't think they would be happy to be told that, you know, you've got six weeks in the summer, but we're cutting that down to four weeks now. I think that would be that would be unfair. So, luckily, we don't have to come up with solutions, Dave, but I just hope in years to come that, that Lily's not referred to as a COVID child because she's missed out on certain parts of her education that, you know, she should have had. I struggle to empathise with this because my... Eldest at home now, Zoe, is five, and she's been back a couple of weeks. And uh, I suppose she's a little bit younger than Lily, isn't she? So Lily's nine, isn't she? Uh, it's Lily's eight, yeah. Lily's so eight. Nine so, year, yeah. Yeah. so, and five, you know, I suppose the level of learning is, is still important, but, but at a lesser scale. But those, those two weeks that she's been back has been wonderful because she's, you know, like she's up in the morning excited to go and you have a little yeah. bit more freedom to do. You know, you're not so... Uh, restrictive of what you can do in your daily routine as well because that she's off enjoying herself at school so yeah I, I can imagine that and I think it's the build-up it's the build-up now you know we're in July, nearly in July now and it's the it's the build-up of not having the the children out of the house as well that is getting a lot of people down yeah absolutely what about you Dave anything been sort of well, getting you yeah, uh, a, a couple your emotions rising a couple of things one actually following on for yours I went to pick up Zoe at school yesterday and I had seen one of the parents I hadn't seen for ages um, Attila his name is and um, Attila looked at me and he's oh hi and he put his hand out to shake my hand and <gasps> and and I didn't uh, there was a there was a pause and I thought oh, 
I just shook his hand because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't want to say no. We shouldn't be doing that now. Uh, plus, I have the limited conversational language ability anyway. I didn't really want to be explaining myself, so I just shook his hand and then. Uh, oh, and, uh, David! But, how I know that, that, could you do that? Well, then I chopped my hand off. So. <laughs> No, but it is. It's, That's a little bit extreme. It's a bit. What's it do if somebody that you don't want to disrespect? It's very difficult to. And people say, "Oh, you should just say no. Uh, please don't object if I don't shake your hand, and I'll bump your elbow mm. and things." And I know we we right at the beginning of our um, podcast we were talking about the handshake, but it's very awkward position to be put into that. That it, and that was the irritable bit, not not the actual shaking the hand or or not wanting to refuse to shake the hand. It was that split second of, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Mm. You know? Mm. The, other, yeah. the other one is with the return of the Premier League, and I'm, as we've said, we're football fans. Do you want to listen to the football with the added sound effects or do you like to listen to it with just the, you know, as if it's in a park and there's two people at the side commentating on as if they're in a park and you can hear dogs barking and everything? Or do you like the added sound effects of the crowd that they're putting on on some of the matches? I have to say, I don't mind the sound effects. What makes me laugh is that they try to, when there's a chance, they try to do an ooh, but they're so late that the ball's gone miles into the stand and then afterwards the sound comes in. Um, or if they think they're going to score, they up the cheer a little bit and then it, it seems a bit ridiculous. So I don't mind it so much, Dave. I, I'm not I'm not particularly keen on hearing what they're saying, but I'm judging I'm judging, judging by the way you're talking, you'd rather hear just the players swearing at each other. No, no, because I, I listen to a lot of football. Um, I probably listen to more football than I watch. And I actually quite... Why? I, uh, well, because not all football's on TV, that's why. And no, that, sorry, that sounded a bit flippant then, but I, I asked the question this because we have a good friend, I'm not going to name him, who actually prefers to listen to the football on the radio than watch it on the TV. So if the game is on the TV, he would still prefer to listen to it on the radio, and I just don't understand that. Well, it depends. If it's Everton, I have to watch it if I can. And I'll do everything mm. to watch it. Uh, if it's a game that you know I would like to, I'd like to follow, but I can also do. I can, you can't really watch football and do other things, but you can listen to football and do other things. And as I do a lot of writing, I sometimes like listening to it. And then if the sound effects on, sometimes you're sort of half listening. So with the sound effects on the radio, it's quite nice. It brings it back to that familiar sound of the crowd. So you're not really paying attention to the, if the oohs are slightly out of place. But um, I just wonder what your what your preference was? Yeah, I'm not fussed either way, but I do, I, I do like the fact they've put some sound effects in. If I'm honest with you, because I think it's just too sterile otherwise. The Bird Adventures of Cornflake. So, David, two clues are well, they've gone. Two clues have gone already, and we're on to the third one. Uh, and there are two more after this because there are five clues in total, and the halfway point is three. Just start that again. <laughs> Just say this is conflict number three. (laughs) (laughs) Number three. Tonight's mystery destination is one of the few places on Earth without any mobile phone signal or access to Wi-Fi connection. Where is Cornflake? I'm thinking islands now. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking of maybe it's a small and I'm trying to think of the flight times where it could be. Is there a small little island? Oh, I haven't got it. You'll have to give me more time. All right. Well, we'll come back later with the final two clues. This week's isolation songs are chosen by one of our team members. 
Um, Mr. Diak, Oliver Diak, works very hard for us uh, in a voluntary uh, organisation that we are. We are a non-profit uh, community project. Um, and Oliver does all of our website for us. So I asked him for his isolation songs this week. His uh, first song is Oasis and Wonderwall. Benjamin, do you know which number it got to in the charts and which year it's from? Yes, I know it definitely didn't reach number one. It reached number two because it was kept off the top of the charts by a novelty song, I believe. Uh, And it was when I was at university, so I think it was 1996. 1995. Oh. It was. And it was actually a novelty song. It was, um, I believe, by Robson and Jerome that kept it off the charts, off the top of the charts. It was the band's third release from their second album, What's the Story, Morning Glory. It was number one in New Zealand, Australia and Canada. It was voted the best British song of all time in a poll of over 8,500 listeners conducted by Virgin Radio. And the song was voted number 36 of the 500 greatest songs of all time, according to NME. Isn't that funny, Dave? Because I actually think it's probably one of the worst Oasis songs ever written. I didn't like it at the time it was released because it became anth- anthemic or anthemic very quickly. But in time, I've, I've really learned to, to love that song. I actually sang it at my best mate's wedding uh, for him and his wife. Uh, the song's final title was inspired by George Harrison's solo album, Wonderwall Music. Do you know who it was written for? Um, well, it, there are two different theories. What's the theory that you know? Well, I thought it was written for Meg Matthews, wasn't it? Yes, that's one theory. And the other theory, he said that it was written for a stranger to help him through life. Obviously, yeah. after he divorced Meg yes, Matthews. Probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, Oliver, Oliver, Oliver chose this because he has always liked the song, but now listening to the rhythm of the song in these particular times, it gives you a good mood, he yeah. said. So. Uh, second song is by Surf Mesa. Uh, it's called ILY brackets Love You Baby brackets, featuring vocals by Emily Flood. Have you heard of this one? No, I haven't. Uh, would you like to guess the year? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> twenty twenty. No, I didn't guess that. I think it's two thousand and fourteen. <laughs> it's twenty twenty. Oh, is it right? Okay. Uh, n- n- number four in Switzerland. Number five in the Netherlands. Number seven in Germany. Got to number twenty five in the United Kingdom. Uh, Surf Mesa is ninety. Can you believe this? Nineteen year old electronic DJ stroke producer Paul Aguirre, aka Surf Mesa, hailing from Seattle in the United States. Uh, the uh, vocals are by Emily Flood, who is a TikTok influencer, whatever that is. Um, the song lyrically samples the 1967 song Can't Take My Eyes Off You by Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons. Uh, it's been described as a chorus on a loop over a dreamy synthscape that falls somewhere between Petty Biscuit and Casbo. Do you know who Petty Biscuit and Casbo are? <laughs> no, do you? You have no idea. It's Petty, of course I do. Petty Biscuit is a French DJ record producer and Casbo is a Swedish DJ record producer. Uh, and it's also been praised as the perfect soundtrack to any blissed out moment. Oliver chose this because him and his wife and his baby Lily dance along to this every morning. Have a listen to it. We're going to put it on the um, on the website over hyphen board b-o-r-e-d dot com under the isolation songs and you can also get them on spotify um uh, under the spotify playlist titled over hyphen board podcasts isolation songs have a listen to it it's a really lovely song i hadn't heard it until this morning but it's beautiful have a listen ben the bird 
So, David, uh, uh, you've had three clues and there are two remaining. And this is the fourth one. Tonight's mystery destination is reported to be the most haunted place on Earth. Numerous sightings of ghosts and poltergeists have been noted, the most famous of which include that of the spirits of the Fat Friar and the Grey Lady. Where in the world is Cornflake? Well, I'm completely stumped. I can't even guess. I can't even think, really. (laughs) This has really got you this week, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm well, sure. come back have, later. Have we got another, we, we, we've got another clue, have we? We've got one more clue to come up, yeah. Okay. So maybe, hopefully, that will, uh, that, will just, that will just give it to you in the last clue. Benjamin, we haven't got a poll this week. The reason being, we're going to take a four-week early summer break. Now, due to personal reasons that we cannot really record for the next two weeks anyway, uh, also with the world slowly coming out of lockdown and isolation, some of our features are becoming a little obsolete. Uh, We thought now would be the ideal time to conclude season one. Now, I know that yourself, I'm speaking on your behalf as well, we're tremendously proud that we have such a broad, regular listenership listened to in 42 countries. And we will return on the 25th of July, the 25th of July, with a revigorated and refreshed overboard. Uh, we've some excellent, I've got some excellent interviews lined up for season two, and we're going to return with a similar format. It'll be tweaked to integrate the new feeling of international travel and tourism. Have you got anything to, to, to say to that, Ben? That sounds good, David. That sounds really good. I can't wait for that. Yeah. Any holidays planned on your four-week break? <laughs> no, I shall, I shall mainly just be, you know, uh, getting ready for season two. And uh, yeah, just a big thank you to everybody who's listened. I mean, we can't. We couldn't really expect at the start uh, when we produced the pilot that we would we would get this far, really. And I think a lot of people really who listen to this, you know, can't believe we've got this far either. So um, thanks ever so much. And we'll be back, won't we? Yeah. Big thank you to everyone who supported us so far. And uh, really, we have got some wonderful interviews lined up for the next season. The Bird Adventures of Cornflake. Right then, Dave, this is it. Your final chance, your final clue. I'll have to have a guess from you, of course, because as you've just mentioned, we won't be back until the 25th of July. So I will reveal this evening uh, where Cornflake is. Uh, Clue number five then, David. The destination has produced many famous people. The most famous of all shares his birthday with his mother on the 31st of July. Where is Cornflake? I have no, I cannot even think of a guess where they have 900 people live there. and I, I, I can't think. No. Where is it? Where is it? Big reveal. Big reveal. Okay, well, okay. <laughs> Big reveal, Dave, because it was a little bit of a tricky one tonight and uh, it was a little bit of a trick destination as well because I can reveal that Cornflake was... at Hogwarts. Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. You... Ridiculous moron. (laughs) Yes, our little cat had gone to the home of Harry Potter. So there we go. Congratulations if you're listening and you got that correct. Um, Yeah. If you did get it right, please um, put something on our Facebook page at Overboard Overboard Podcast on Facebook or at Overboard 5 on Twitter. Tell us if you got it right. We would like to thank our contributors this week, uh, Nicole Hope and uh, Oliver Diak. Uh, don't forget, on Spotify, you can see all the isolation songs, Overboard's podcast isolation songs playlist. We're a non-sponsored, non-profit podcast without advertising. We'd like to thank the re- other members of our team, Darren Collins and Matthias Van Dort. 
If you're enjoying the shows, please subscribe through your listening platforms. This way it will download ready for you. And even when season two starts on the 25th of July, it will appear there ready for you. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor and many more. Um, spread the word please contact us let us know what you think suggest items to cover things for the season two people to interview questions to ask on polls please interact with us and just to remind you once again the website is over-board.com b-o-r-e-d on facebook at overboard podcast one word and on twitter at overboard five thank you for season one benjamin say good night good night dave Good night, Ben. Good night, everyone. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. Any views or opinions represented in this podcast are personal and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that contributors may or not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity. The contributors to the podcast make no representations as to the accuracy or completeness of any information on the podcast or any site found by following any links discussed within.